This is Teachers Talk Radio, and you are listening live. This is Teachers Talk Radio, and you're listening to the Sunday afternoon show with Maud. It is 3 p.m. on Sunday, the 8th of May, and you can join me using the chat function. We can discuss today's topic, which is how to find the perfect school. Welcome! This is Teachers Talk Radio, and you are listening live. Tune in live at ttradio.org, or to join in the conversation, download the Podbean app and search Teachers Talk Radio. Follow the hashtag TT Radio. Tune in, talk it out, with Teachers Talk Radio. Good afternoon, fellow educators and dear listeners. So this is my sixth radio show as a hostess, and I'm delighted to share this exciting experience in your company. But first, I have to introduce myself and your listeners. I'm a French citizen of French and West African ancestry, and I have lived in the UK, in London, since 2008. I'm a professional educator. I work in a secondary state school in North London, where I teach both languages as well as humanities. I teach French, Spanish, history and geography for KS3 and KS4, if you are familiar with the English educational system. I have also some experience as a teacher in the charity sector. You can follow me on Twitter at ProfProfMFL and all views are my own. Today I want to focus on one topic that is very relevant to me as an educator and personally in my daily working life. The podcast and discussion will both be on the topic of how to choose the perfect school. So this is mostly relevant to newly qualified teachers looking for their first job after graduating or to teachers who are thinking about changing schools. And thirdly, for parents and students who are looking for the perfect secondary school for their children. First, let's start with what is the perfect school? Well, I'm going to focus on the teacher's side. The perfect school is the one that suits the needs of the teachers, the one that allows the teacher to be themselves, herself or himself, and also to develop as a professional. The perfect school is also the school that challenges the teachers and keeps them on their toes so that they always aim for the best practice. And the perfect school is also the one that makes the teachers feel valued and respected. Now, what is the perfect school for a student? Well, I would say it's pretty similar, to be honest. The perfect school for a child is the one that suits the child's needs. The perfect school for a child is the one that allows the child to develop as a student and as a human being. And the perfect school is also the one that challenges the students and um, keeps them on their toes so that they can achieve their best. And finally, the perfect school for a child is the one that makes the child feel valued and respected. So all in all, 
The Perfect School shares the same aims for both teachers and students. Now, I've recently graduated in 2019-2020 and I had to look for my perfect school. It took me two goes, I would say, because I did my NQT year in a school and then I realized it wasn't the best fit and I decided to change. So I've got pretty hands-on experience as far as job interviews are concerned. So if I'm addressing a newly qualified teacher, I would definitely advise one thing, and that is location, location, location. When you consider to look for a school, you need to look at where the school is. Why? Because a commute is a part of your working life and it takes its toll on your physical health and your mental well-being. Your commute needs to be as short and easy as possible. You need to take into consideration the cost of commuting. You need to take into consideration seasonal changes. It might seem like a pleasant commute in the summer term, but not so much in the winter term. So consider. The weather has a big impact if you live in the UK. You need to also consider the impact of crowding. If you try your route before applying to school, make sure you try at peak time because that's when you're going to commute. Don't try it on a Saturday because it won't reflect the ordeal you're going to have to face on a Monday to Friday basis at peak times. Which type of commute are you going to consider? And you need to think thoroughly on that matter. If you choose to use public transport such as trains, can you easily find a seat? Do you have access to Wi-Fi? Can you plug your computer or your phone? Can you relax while commuting? If you choose to travel by public transport such as buses, remember, or buses or, or underground, remember COVID is still active even though we don't talk about it so much anymore. Remember that you need to stay fit and healthy. Avoid standing up, so choose a bus route that allows you to sit down. It is always important to think, can I relax while I do my commute? And if you're brave and you want to commute by bike or by walking, you need to make sure that there's ch changing facilities in your school. Do you have access to a shower? Do you have access to a locker where you can leave things overnight if you want a change of clothes? So either way, whether it's by car, public transport, bike, walking, you need to take all these into account when you decide on which school you're going to work in. Now by car. Is there a lot of traffic? Are you going to end up standing still a lot? Is there a grocery store on the way where you can just nip by and buy a card for a colleague um, or just your pack lunch or a gift for a colleague or even your evening meal? Is the ride pleasant? Are there trees? These are all important aspects to consider. In my personal experience, I have been commuting by car for more than 45 minutes. And as much as it was pleasant because I could listen to my favorite radio programs or podcasts and I could drink my cup of tea, I did think it was quite costly in the, in the long run and time consuming. Now I'm using public transport, which is fabulous because I always manage to get a seat and I can plug my phone and do some online administrative work as well. But take these things into consideration when you 
choose your school. Now, the other issue in the extreme opposite is, do you work in a school that's too close? We've all been there. Some teachers end up bumping into their students when off work. You might enjoy that social aspect of living in a small community. However, if you want to have a bit of independence, and if you want to avoid the gossip, you might want to check a school which is local, but not too close. We've all have anecdotes. Um, my, my son has a, a friend who found that he was on the same plane as his teacher when he flew to the Caribbean. And I have heard of a head teacher renting a villa in Greece, realizing that one of her primary school students was already uh, renting the, the villa next door. So it will always happen somehow. But if you choose a school that's not too close, it might be a bonus in the long run. UK commutes. Well, the TUC, Trades Union Congress, which represents trade unions and to which most trade unions belong in the UK, has published a report in 2019. So bear in mind, this data is pre-COVID. The analysis has shown that the total average UK commute takes up to just less than an hour per day, which is 58.4 minutes. Now, to me, that's quite a long commute for an average. Um, and we have to bear in mind that before COVID, commutes were always, always, year after year, elongating and increasing. Now, obviously, there are regional differences. Londoners are usually the ones with the longest commute. The average commute in London is 81 minutes, so more than an hour. And there are also big differences depending on the mode of transport, with those on trains, buses and underground having the longest commutes, all of which are over an hour mostly. So we can see that commutes take a big chunk of time. When you think about it, if it's 58 minutes, it means that it's an hour of your day wasted because you can't really enjoy your commute unless you're very lucky and you can just chill out on a seat and listen to a podcast or read on your Kindle. Let's be honest, most commutes are not the most stress-free environments. Now, obviously with COVID, a lot of people are working from home. Sadly, most teachers aren't. We still need to go to the school setting. So it is very important to take that into account. Now, I did a little review on, um, on Twitter today and I asked some um, Twitter followers. So it's a, it's a Twitter that I use mostly for teachers. And um, I had asked, dear teachers, how far do you commute to work? So last time I checked, out of 50 voters, 53.7% of them said they had a commute that was less than 30 minutes. So that's a great sign. Sadly, 7.3% had more than an hour. And I do think that it's going to interact badly on your well-being if you spend more than an hour every day in transport. Now, what about children, you're going to ask? Well, for prospective students, the commute matters just as much, if not more. Now, if you have children in year six, you're going to be worried about them going to school on their own for the first time, maybe. It's really hard to 
teach your child to be independent and also to let go. So in year six, it's good to practice a few runs where your child goes to school on their own, if possible, with a friend. Now, in the choice of school, I think the commute has to be at the top of the list. You need to answer these questions. Is your child independent or not? Is your child willing to spend up to 45 minutes in public transport? Is your child physically able to spend time on a long commute and still have time enough to do homework and socialize? Is a long commute going to affect your child's abilities to join clubs and sports after school? To summarize, you need to know your child. If your child is okay with being independent and taking public transport for a long time, you might want to apply for a school that is far. But definitely trial the commute with your child. What are the pros and cons of choosing a local school? Well, if your child is in year six, you might be thinking about this. You have already applied for your school and you have already received your options or your choices. If you're lucky, you have got the school you wanted. If you're not, you might have to revise your plans and accept a longer commute. Now, the pros are simple. I checked and uh, I think I found eight pros. Having a local school makes you familiar with the area and it might be very reassuring for your year six child going to year seven. Knowing the area makes the commute safer. Your child will eventually find the best routes and also maybe walk to school with a friend. Having a local school makes the commute shorter, which by definition makes it safer. Having a local school makes it possible to meet new people from other classrooms or other forms, and it encourages making friendship, new friendships. Having a local school makes it possible for you to ask some local shopkeepers if they can provide a safe place in case of issues. You might have an agreement where your child can go and shelter in a local shop if they feel threatened. You can also, if your child loses their keys, which might happen, have more friends in the area that you can call or that your child can call. It will make you feel more secure and your child feels safer. Another pro is that your child can have play dates and can walk easily from one friend's house to the next. To summarize, having a local school makes it e easy to have a local community of friends and a local community network with support when you need it. Now, what are the cons of choosing a local school? Well, gossip can be one of those. If you live in a very tight community, everybody knows what you're doing. It can also lead to negative peer pressure. If a lot of your child's friends in the area are staying late or are vaping or are doing things you don't want your child to do, it might be harder for you to prevent bad influence from happening. Also, if all your friend, your child's school friends are hanging out in the park instead of going straight home, it might discourage your child to go home or engage in 
sports activities or just do their homework. They might prefer to hang out with their friends. Another cons is if you have relationship breakdowns, and we know it might happen in secondary school. If you happen to have your child going to school with one friend and then they fall out, it might lead to difficulties. Then might be safeguarding and confidentiality issues if you live in a very tight community. And you might want to sometimes make it easy on you and find a school that's a little bit further out. So these are important aspects to choose to, to analyze before you make a decision for a school. Now, choosing a school depends on the school ethos. And this is, I've, I would say, the most important part. Commute can be arranged, but the school ethos, you can't really change a school once you're in it. So as a teacher, you need to know thyself. Make a list of what you think is important as far as education is concerned. Read the school web pages and pay particular interest on the school policies. Look at the school uniform policy. Make sure it is inclusive. Do you agree with it? Are you pro-uniform or against uniform? Choose accordingly. You need to check that the ethos matches yours because let's be honest, it's not always easy to find out. You might start in a school and realize you, you, you disagree with some of the policies and then you might have to change. So do your homework, check the school policy websites. Now, as far as your child is concerned, know your child, obviously, but make a list of what the subjects your child is interested in and see if the school that is local offers them. If your child really loves arts and music and drama and the school that's local to you is putting more emphasis on core subjects, this might create a discrepancy that's going to create chaos later on when your child has to choose options. So make sure you're very much aware of what the school offers. Is your child academically inclined or is your child more into socializing and um, sports and media? This is also an, another important aspect to consider. Thirdly, if your child has special educational needs, you definitely need to spend some time reading about the SENCO and the SEND offers in your school. Some schools specialize in special educational needs. You might want to look at their offers before you make a decision. Now, I did mention the uniform policy. If your child is neurodiverse, some of the neurodivergent children I know have um, some neurosensory issues that prevent them from wearing some types of fabric. It might be polyester or it might be the labels that's really itchy and it might really um, affect their learning. So make sure that you are aware of the uniform policy for neurodiverse children. You might get the right for your child to wear a different type of shoe or to adapt the school uniform, but you need to make these decisions before you apply to the schools. Now, after choosing on a school, you've read all the policies of the school, you like the look of the website, and you think your child would thrive there. Or as a teacher, 
you've done your homework, you looked at the school website, and you think the school is in a good area that you're interested in working in. Now you need to visit the school. So I've I've went through two different types of experience when I when I applied for my schools. Before and after COVID. So I'm gonna focus on before COVID just to get a general view. So if you put COVID aside, my best advice is for parents and teachers who are looking for their perfect school. First, take a drive around or a walk around the school. Look at the local area. Is there a lot of litter in the streets near the school? Are there signs on the off-license or the local shops advertising um, or advising students not to come more than two inside the shop? Check how the students behave before and after school. Visit twice. Visit in the morning before the school starts and then visit in the afternoon when school breaks. How are the children behaving? Are they just walking, chatting, giggling, or are they running around, crossing in front of cars? Are they shouting? Are they throwing things at each other? This will inform you on the type of behavior your child will be exposed to when they start in year seven. Or as a teacher, it will inform you on the type of behavior you're gonna have to face once you work in the school. You might want to go as far as ask the local business owners if they have good things to say about the students. You might want to ask the local neighbors. We always have schools, particularly in big cities such as London, where you have neighbors whose gardens face the school. You might want to ask them, how are those students behaving? This is very important to get an idea of how the schools and the students are behaving. Now, because COVID happened, I had to look for a school while being in lockdown. So obviously all these were impossible to do. I did manage to drive around the school I was applying to, but I couldn't really go for a walk. I couldn't talk to anyone and I couldn't check the students' behavior because the students were at home. So my advice, if you can't do all these on-site checks, well, use Google Map and then use Google Earth. Check out the vicinity. Is there a lot of greenery? Is there a park? Is there a place where the children can go and run around after lessons and after school? Then do your online research. Check social media. Use Twitter, Mumsnet, any social media you can use. Facebook, you're gonna find local Facebook page. Join them. Ask around. Ask parents, how's the school? What do you think about the school? I use Twitter a lot, but some people prefer other so types of social media, but definitely check them all out. Thoroughly investigate the school website and what others are saying about the school. With your child, if there's an open day, definitely visit. I won't stress enough how important it is to visit the school you're going to apply to. So with your child or without, visit the school and check the facilities. Is there a library? You might be surprised the number of schools that are getting rid of libraries. 
I wouldn't trust a school that doesn't have a library. And actually, when I was looking for a school to work at, I decided on some schools because they didn't have enough books in their libraries. Reading increases academic results and increases exam results. Check the sports grounds. So I'm aware that since the 1970s, a lot of schools have had to sell their school grounds because of the pressure of property prices. But make sure there's enough space for your child to walk around between lessons or at break time. And also check that the students are allowed to walk on the fields. I know of a local school near me where there's a beautiful vast field and the children aren't allowed on. Also, if you have a daughter in particular, check the facilities for the toilets. Some students complain that there's, there is not enough cubicles and they have to hold it in. This is extremely unhealthy. We need to make sure that our children have enough toilets that are accessible for them. Now check the space in the canteen. We are getting rid of a lot of COVID measures, but due to COVID, for instance, we had to reduce the number of people sitting together in the canteen. Some schools do not have enough space for all the students to sit down properly for 20 minutes minimum to eat their lunch. This, in the long run, can affect your child's health. So check that there's enough space in a canteen. Another important aspect to look out for is outdoor space. As I said, some schools do not allow the students to use all the outdoor space. I think it's a shame. Now, another thing you need to look at, and it might be done once you visit the school, or it might be done on the website, it's checking the club's offer, after-school clubs. The more clubs, the better. But also check what type of clubs. Are they fee-paying clubs? Are they free clubs? Are they diverse enough? I personally worked in a school where there was an LGBTQ club. And I think it's really important that there is a space for our students to express their own identity. There is also diversity clubs in my current school and a feminist club. I think having politically orientated clubs is a really important aspect of education. We need to create the new citizens of the future. They need to have a politically formed mind. Sports clubs are important, but also music ones. Is there a school orchestra? Is there a chamber or a choir? This is very important for your child's development. Children who practice a musical instrument do better in school. Check the wraparound care. And I don't just mean is if there's after-school clubs. I also mean, is there a breakfast club for the students who don't have time to eat breakfast at home or for the students who can't afford to have a proper breakfast at home. It also increases the socializing aspect, which is very important. Check the displays when you walk in the school. Do they fit your expectations? I might be a bit nerdy about grammar. I'm a teacher after all. But always check if the homeworks that are displayed are corrected. Are they very obvious? spelling mistakes left. 
I think it's important to have attention to details. And uh, if we display some students' homework, they need to be marked so that there is a sign that the students are aware of the standards the school has and the expectations on proper writing and spelling. Now about the displays. I'm very much interested in um, a diverse education. So are the displays showing all the student cohorts? Are they displaying students' work from different gender, from different race and ethnicities? And also, what about the displays? Are they shop-bought or are they made by the students? Personally, I would value a school that displays the, the artworks that the students are making more than a school that displays that they have a budget that they spent on decoration. There is nothing more appealing than seeing corridors lined up with paintings that the students have made themselves. I find that their art is almost to professional standards and it's amazing to watch. So making sure there's artworks inside the school also shows the, the school values arts. Remember, film, music and arts are one of the biggest industry in the UK. It brings a lot of money to the country. We are famous for our literature, our movies, our pure drama, our series and our arts. So our schools need to reflect the wealth of diverse art that our students can produce and remember there will be the next artists, the next generation. So these are what you need to look out for when you visit a school, whether it's for your child or whether it's for you to work in. So to summarize, check that there's good facilities. Library, space outside, enough toilets, space to eat and sit down at the canteen. Check the offers of after-school clubs. Wraparound care. Is there a breakfast club? Check the displays. Are they inclusive? Are they diverse? Are they promoting arts? Now, let's think about our newly qualified teachers who are trying to find their school. Or it might be a teacher who is thinking about handing their resignation. And remember, fellow teachers, the date, the limit, the deadline is the 31st of May. So for any teachers who's looking for their next school, their next step in their career, you might think about the job interview day with dread. I would say the job interview goes both ways. If you're prospecting teacher and you want to find your new school, you need to take the interview day as the best way to see what the school offers. And you might be surprised, but at the end of the day, you might have a feeling that this school is not for you. Follow that gut feeling. It is very important to follow our instinct. Same with parents visiting the school. If after attending an open day, you have a nagging, uneasy feeling about it, don't put it in your options. But I would always advise um, a parent to come once and then come again with their child. Visiting the school twice, maybe on an open day and then an open evening, is the best way to really get to know the school. First impressions matter.
Now, you're a teacher and you're going to your job interview. So my advice, and I've been doing quite a lot of job interviews in the last three years, at least seven or eight. Look at the staff room. Is there a staff room? You'd be surprised, but some schools are getting rid of their staff room because they need more space. A staff room is really important. This is where teachers can bond. And we need teachers who create a safe community feel in the school. So check the staff room. Look at the way staff interacts with each other. Are they greeting each other when they see each other in the corridors? Are they making eye contact? Are they smiling? Are they saying hello? It's simple manners, but good manners are the basis of civilization. Now look how SLT interact with all members of staff. And by that, I mean cleaning staff and the people who are not teachers. I will always trust a member of SLT if they treat their cleaning staff the same way they treat their teachers, which is by greeting them and smiling at them and making them feel valued. And personally, I always make a point of saying hello to all the caretakers and the cleaning staff because they make the school a good school and they're just as important as any other members of staff. And now look at the students. Do they greet you when you walk past them? Do they, do they make eye contact? Are they friendly and polite to each other and to you? Do they hold the door for you? Now, I know I may sound a bit old fashioned, but in my first placement, I was amazed by the behavior of the students. They made me feel valued, seen, and respected just by holding the door for me. And I was just so thankful. The whole atmosphere of the school is impalpable, but it's the most important aspect when deciding on the school. You need to think about, is this school making, making me feel happy to be in? Because if you do as a teacher, if you do as a parent, if you do as a student, then it is the perfect school. Now, about the warning sounds, and there are a few. My first warning sign I mentioned is no staff room. Now, another one inside the staff room, if there is a staff room, is no, no facilities to make a hot drink. We know how busy and overworked teachers are. They need to have access to a kettle where they can make a cup of tea and a fridge where they can grab some milk. They also need a fridge to put their packed lunch in. I would also say, if you're a teacher, ask about the resource cupboard. Is there a cupboard where you can store all the things you need as a teacher? Another warning sign that I didn't notice in my first school, but I think is important, and it might be a detail, but in the long run, I think it shows how SLT treats their members of staff. Check if there are proper desk chair for teachers at their desk. For a whole year, I had to sit on a plastic chair at my desk and it affected my back. Health and well-being are two sides of the same coin. Now, you might also check if laptops are offered to teachers who join the school. And also if there's enough laptops for the students when they have a hand injury 
or when they have a special needs and they can't use handwriting as fast as others. I know this is about material resources, but it is important to know that the school can support the teachers and support the students who need access to a laptop. Now, another warning sign for me would be, and I understand that some teachers would disagree, but I think having your own personal classroom is definitely a bonus. And to me, it would be a warning sign if I couldn't. Now, I understand that if you're in a big city and your school hasn't got enough space, you might have to share classroom. And I think it's okay if you share it with someone from your same department. But I don't, I don't think it's, it's good practice to not being able to display in your classroom what your subject is about. So in my classroom, I expect to have at least a map of France because I'm teaching French um, and at least some pictures or photographs of great French speakers, French speaking role models and some displays about uh, the language, either the numbers or the days of the week or some grammar points that are very, very important and that I can drill with my students by pointing at it. So I do think not having to share your classroom is a very important aspect when choosing a school. Now, on the students' and parents' side, the warning signs for me would be um, the interaction between teachers, staff, and students, and SLT. Um, if students are not being polite to each other, and if there is no, no absolutely no display or decoration in the corridors, you would be surprised, but I have visited schools that looked more like um, detention centers, juvenile detention centers than actual schools. And I think it is quite shocking because we, we've we all heard about Feng Shui and, and making your, your spa the space you inhabit more um, fun and more design friendly to make your mood rise and I think it's really important that your school doesn't look like a generic grey institution but more like a space where people come to, share, work together, live together, build together and create a vibrant community and this has to be seen in the displays and the artworks. Now Let's focus on the teacher side for, for a minute and think about school hours. So the directed time is the time that teachers are directed by their head teacher to be at work and available for work. So it is a legal requirement that teachers, secondary school teachers, spend a maximum of 1,265 hours in school working per academic year. And it has to be spread over over 195 days. Now, generally, it would come about 25 hours in front of students in the school facilities. But that directed time contains more tasks or more types of activities. Directed time is teaching time, so face-to-face -face with students, uh, training time, so whether you call it CPD or Twilight, 
break times with duties such as walking around the playground or the corridors, making sure everything is running smoothly. Cover time. So you might be requested to cover sometimes for others for other teachers. Parents' evening are required in that directed time, whether they are spent online since COVID or face-to-face -face in the school building. After school meetings, an inset day, which is when there's no students in the school, but all the teachers are there. So this is all about the directed time. Now, there is a rumor, I mean, it was an announcement by the Department for Education that schools will be asked to offer at least 32.5 hour school week by September 2023 under plans that were outlined in the school's white paper. So it is. it has been said by the Department for Education that officially school hours or the school week would increase for all, for students and for teachers. However, the teaching union and the NYU, for instance, said that most teachers and school staff are already doing more than these 32.5 hours, even though this is not yet passed. So we need to watch that space. We need to see if this is going to be officially put in by the Department for Education and, and applied in September. But my experience is that teachers do way more than that already. And can I also say, it's not just teachers, but my thoughts always go to the, the caretakers who seem to be there from before 7 a.m. to sometimes after 7 p.m. So I think we underestimate the amount of hours that all the staff in schools are doing. Now, it is a very important issue, the, the school week hours for teachers, because we know that there is many, many teachers who are leaving the profession before COVID and since COVID. And it is important to realize what is a typical working day. So my advice is always for uh, prospective teachers who are going to attend a job interview, it's to ask during the job interview, ask the person who's interviewing you to describe a typ typical working day and ask them from the start when you're supposed to be in school and when you're supposed to leave school. My typical working day at the moment is 8 a.m. to 4 p.m. every day from Monday to Friday. So it varies depending on the, the, the region you live in and if you're in the UK, if you're in Wales or Scotland or Northern Ireland or England. But pretty much it should be that kind of bracket. I would be very, very wary of a school that asks me to stay longer than that. Because you might have work to prepare, but you can do it from home anyway. So ask about a typical working day. Ask about uh, when you're being interviewed. If you want a list of questions, I would say, what's the, top, the typical working day? What would be my short-term, mid-term and long-term targets? What would be the biggest challenges I will face in that school? And I would value the honesty of the answer. And that would definitely inform me in respect of saying yes or no to the job offer. What's in place to support me in dealing with the challenges that the school has? 
how would my performance reviewed be reviewed? Um, what would my line manager be using to assess my work? And be very, very precise with this. Um, ask for a precise answer because you can't just expect your line manager to value your work by looking at your students' results. Since COVID and before COVID, um, but COVID has made it worse, has exacerbated it, some students have missed out on a whole year of education, if you count all the lockdowns. So we can't expect to judge a teacher's performance based on their year 11 students' results, because they have been affected in their mental health, uh, financially, and also by, by COVID in general. So make sure that you won't be judged only with your students' results or as a criterion. Now, as a question, I would also ask, who can help me when I need to as a teacher? What are my job and career prospects inside the school once I'm hired? And also, because I've, I really value cohesion in teaching and communality in teaching practice, I would also ask, are there other departments I can work with? Can I get time allocated to work with other departments? And can we have shared projects over different departments? Because I think if staff know each other well, if they work well, it will definitely improve the quality of teaching for the students. And if you want to be a bit cheeky at the end of your interview, depending on your personality, I would ask, what are the perks of the job here? And you might be surprised by the answers. I got uh, very important perks in my current job and I'm really happy with it. And I will let you know. So my very important perks were a gym membership scheme, because I think that um, you can't keep your well-being and your mental health going without exercising. There is a cycle scheme for those who want to cycle. And I value that. I think it's good for the environment and good for our health. There is also free hot drinks in my staff room, which is a godsend. And you wouldn't know how helpful it is um, to just pop in and get a nice latte and be able to power through the rest of your day. Um, and it, it's also great for starting conversation to talk about the coffee machine. And another perk is that, um, yeah, you do have, I have a very diverse staff in my school and I think it's wonderful and they value people from all walks of life and from different ethnic backgrounds and to me that was one of the perks of getting uh, hired in that job. So I hope this is helpful for you to have an idea of what to expect from the interview and how to how to just ask the right questions. And might I say that for parents who have children in year six or parents who want to change school for whatever reason, looking at um, the staff and the senior man management staff and seeing if they are very inclusive, if they have women, if they have people of ethnic different ethnic background, is also a very good sign. Now, a few advice for job interviewees. Because of experience, I mean, I've had to do seven in the last year, some face-to-face -face and some on... on um, online. Stay calm, easier said than that, but being calm is the best tool in the teacher toolbox 
because you're going to face very difficult situations with your students, uh, with your students' behavior and sometimes with parents' behavior. So staying calm, measured, professional is the best. Um, take notes, bring notes. Writing, handwriting is very important and I think we underestimate its impact in learning whether as a teacher or as a student. So take notes and bring your notes. My third advice would be just be you because you don't want to lie about who you are and you want the people who hire you to hire you because they think you're great and not because you put on a mask and a facade. So just be you and you'll find a school who wants you as a teacher or you as a student. So just be natural and be you and be calm. And then this is for everything. Do your research, come prepared, know what the school is like, know what the school ethos is, and show that you've looked at the website and particularly the department you're going to work for. Do your research. No one comes um, unprepared. It doesn't look good for anyone in public office. My other advice is if you don't get the job, you'll find another one. So don't come with high expectations and because you don't want to be distraught if you don't get the job. But also just keep a cool head. If you don't get this job you really thought was going to be for you, maybe there's going to be a better one around the corner. So keep a cool head. And also, um, this advice might be controversial and I'm sure senior management team would completely disagree with me and I understand their point but I would say if you are a teacher looking for a job you might want to apply for a school that you don't think you're gonna want to work in just because you want to try and go through the the process of being interviewed so I know it does it's not really fair on the school because you're basically wasting their time but I do think um, trying to go through the interview process is the best way. It's like going for an exam without having practice. Practice makes perfect. So you might want to apply for a school that you're not really interested in just to go through the interview process. And even if you get asked to come for the interview, do it. Um, you will be less stressed because you don't really want the job and you will learn more about the process and know more about yourself and how you react under pressure. So do an interview run, even if I understand some schools would be upset because they think it's wasting their time. I do think it's good for the person who's applying. Now, so that was a controversial point. Now, another advice and this is particularly for women and also women of different ethnic backgrounds. And I would advise women to always ask for a higher pay rise than they think they should get. Why? Because it's been studied many times and researchers have said that women have a tendency to not put themselves forward enough. So my advice is, if you're starting or if you change school, try and ask for a pay rise and you might want to ask for a very big pay rise. Why not? What's the worst answer you can get? The worst answer would be 
no, sorry, we can only offer you this type of wages. And that's fine. I think we should encourage women to be confident and to ask for more. Because if you don't ask, you don't get. So I would definitely say women looking for a job as a teacher, ask for a pay rise and be confident about it. Now, as a summary, during your school visit, if you're a teacher, I would say ask about those working hours, 8 to 4, 8 a.m. to 4 p.m. max. Ask if you're going to have your own classroom, if you're going to have access to a locker. Ask if there's a possibility to use the shower facilities if you come running or walking or cycling. If you come by car, ask if there will be enough allocated space for you. You might possibly want to ask if there's a cycling scheme. Um, is there a well-being system in place, such as a gym membership? Or in my school, we do have um, a well-being room, which is a very cozy room with music and essential oil diffuser and where you can just go and relax if you're feeling stressed. That's for teachers. Um, also, maybe that's because I have my head of, um, I mean, my my MFL head-on, I would, I would ask if there's a special budget for school trips, particularly for languages, and also a special budget for resources, and I would ask if it's possible to know the amount. I would also make sure the school is transparent about budget allocation. It's easier to mention it in the job interview than later on when you're hired. And also, definitely at the top of my list, it would be is there a centralized detention system and a rotor system to call for help in case you are facing a very difficult student in your classroom? I do think it's much easier for teachers, particularly newly qualified teachers, if there is a detention system, because it means you don't have to organize it yourself and it really decreases the amount of time you're going to spend at the end of the day dealing with detentions. So that is definitely something you should consider asking during your job interview. Now the checklist for parents would be, are there enough GCSE subjects offered? Is there enough for drama, arts, dance, music, food tech, geography, all of that? Make sure your child will have all the subjects he or she or they want to sit for. Are there after-school clubs? And if so, are they free or are they fee-paying? What type of options are there? Is there a hardship fund for students? Because if a school is caring for the most vulnerable and the poorest in our community, it is a more inclusive school and it is a better school for all of us. Are there trips organized for each class and not only for the older classes? Doing a school trip is very formative and it's it's really important for us children who've been deprived of socializing time because of COVID. And is there a winter or a summer show that the parents can attend to see all the beautiful work the students have done in the arts department, the music departments and the drama departments? So, as I said earlier, I would advise any teachers who's looking for a new school to check social media, LinkedIn, Twitter, 
local Facebook pages, Mumsnet, and all the other forums you can get to, checking the TES website, all the school websites of the schools in your local area, the local authority website which advertises for jobs, and also word of mouth. Go to the local pub or the bakery and ask around. Oh, are there any good schools in the area? You never know. You might not have seen it because it's tucked away, hidden on an estate somewhere or behind the local park. But there might be the school of your dreams just at a reach. And for parents, exactly the same resources. Social media, school website, local authority, word of mouth. And also, there is a great website which is called Meet the Parents. Meet the Parents is um, where you can meet up parents who are who have children in the school you are interested in and they can give you super accurate feedback. So, my dear listeners, this is time for the news of the day. Thank you for listening. This episode of Teachers Talk Radio has been made possible with support from Witherslack Group, the UK's leading provider of SEN education and care. They're here to support you too through an ever-growing offer of free resources, including webinars, podcasts, articles and events aimed at supporting teaching professionals like you. Visit their website at www.weatherslackgroup.co.uk to find out more. Imagine a world where you were free to focus on sparking curiosity in your students and giving them access to the awe and wonder of learning. A world where you were supported to deliver a truly personalised education to help all your learners achieve their potential. No need to imagine it, because that's exactly what the Oxford Smart Curriculum Service delivers. Seamlessly integrating curriculum, resources, assessment, next steps and professional development, every component of Oxford Smart is connected and working to provide you with a uniquely coherent and responsive service that empowers you and your students with transformational effect. The Oxford Smart Curriculum Service. When everything connects, anything is possible. Introducing Bulb. With evidence-based learning at the forefront of education, let Bulb digital portfolios help reshape your educational practice. Bulb helps teachers teach and learners learn. Bulb is an easy-to-use, fully accessible digital platform that captures students' digital learning assets in one place, allowing them to evidence their learning and reflect on their growth. Our dedicated team of education specialists are on hand to ensure the bulb fits seamlessly into all of your teaching practices. Come take a look and get a free account at bulbapp.com. If you're listening to this, then we know we share one thing in common. A passion for the type of outstanding education that every child deserves. That's what makes us the leading provider of specialist education and care. We need people like you to help us achieve even more. With us, You'll be given all the resources and support you need, offered a clear path to career progression, and be rewarded with some of the best salaries and benefits the industry has to offer. We are Witherslack Group. If you'd like to find out more, we'd love to hear from you. Visit www.witherslackgroup.co.uk forward slash careers 
and be part of our future. This is Teachers Talk Radio and this is Teachers Talk Radio News with Joe Fox. The Evening Standard reports that the Department for Education has announced new powers to shut down unsafe and illegal schools. The DfE admitted that its previous work on closing unsafe independent schools had been slow. Under the new powers, the Education Secretary would be able to suspend registration of a school where there were serious safeguarding failings which pose a risk. The suspension would be enforced through a new criminal offence where the school's proprietor would be held responsible if they kept the school open. The new legislation will be outlined in the Queen's speech next week, but has already been welcomed by Ofsted's Chief Inspector, Amanda Spielman. A school in Fleetwood has triumphed in an interactive literacy competition involving schools all over Britain. The Gazette in Fleetwood reports on the success of its Year 8 team from Cardinal Allen Catholic High School, who took part in the Word Mania 2022 event. The event was organised by Literacy Planet. Pupils from across the UK in year groups 1 to 9 were challenged to arrange words from a set of 15 randomly chosen letters in three minutes. Although students from over 2,500 schools across 68 countries were involved, the teams were directly competing against those from their own country. The competition was created to support pupils developing a passion for words and language. Schools Week focuses on further delays to the publication of accessible versions of the government's SEND review. It's almost six weeks since the launch of the Green Paper, but it has yet to be produced in British Sign Language and Easy Read versions. This has prompted comments that it has excluded some of the communities it seeks to support from participating in the consultation process. When it was published on March 29th, it was stated by the DfE that accessible versions would be available in early April. Whilst a large print version and braille versions are available, other versions have not yet been provided. Children's Minister Will Quince apologised for the delay in Parliament last week and said he was considering extending the consultation deadline to ensure all voices were heard. In Nigeria, Professor Patrick Lumumba, delivering the 30th anniversary lecture of Delta State University, spoke about Africans' need to embrace education to revolutionise the way they think. Professor Lumumba stated that the founding fathers of Africa had embraced colonial education, thinking it would end diseases, poverty and ignorance, but that instead it had been used to divide Africans. In his speech, he said colonials told us our language was primitive, told us that our gods were not God, but if we continue to worry about Africa, we will continue to make mistakes. This has been your Teachers Talk Radio Weekend News with Joe Fox. This is Two Minute Tech with Steve Woods, your tech briefing on Teachers Talk Radio. Hello, last week I told you about security certificates and how the padlock is not a symbol of a website being secure, but the transmission being encrypted. This week we go a step further and ask how do criminals use this against us? They use something called a subdomain. Just as the prefix sub means below or under, the subdomain is a key to this scam and it can look legitimate to the untrained eye. Subdomains are a way to divide a website into more manageable chunks. For example, for TT Radio, a subdomain could be named Listen. This would read www.listen.ttradio.org. This could be pointed at somewhere other than the main website, for example, Podbean, and allow simple redirection for the user of the website. The issue we face is cyber criminals understand subdomain system and exploit it. 
So if I were to buy a domain called bank.com and create a subdomain for all popular banks in the UK or even the world, and obviously buy a security certificate, I could create copies of banks' web pages on each subdomain and the address would read, for example, HTTPS, oh, it's secure, www.halifax.bank.com. The difference being you're now going to a subsection of my website, bank.com, which happens to be named after a bank. I now start a campaign of emails and texts with a warning to as many people as I possibly can. To make you panic and click without thinking too much, I also add a bit of time pressure into the mix. How does this sound? Halifax alert, you've just paid Steve Woods £500. If this transaction was not organised by you, you have five minutes to log in and cancel. I'm even kind enough to give you the link https www.halifax.bank.com. From there, I collect your login details and empty your bank. Clever, isn't it? How do we stop this? Always contact your bank directly, not through a link that is sent to you. If unsure, stop and think. As always, don't forget to check out the TT Radio 2022 Twitter feed. Tell us what you want to know about tech. I'm Steve Woods, and that was Two Minute Tech. Two Minute Tech with Steve Woods, your tech briefing on Teachers Talk Radio. Dear listeners, we're back after the news. So, we were talking about how to find the perfect school today. I think it's about time to check my uh, little poll that I made on Twitter. So I put a poll on for two hours. Obviously, it's mostly my followers. So you can tell they're going to be absolutely lovely Twitter people. And they're mostly teachers. So out of 108 votes, from teachers. My question was, dear teachers, how far do you commute to work? So this Twitter poll says that 53% of the teachers commute less than 30 minutes, which is great, I think, for their well-being and for their physical health. And we had 26% of them who said less than 45 minutes. 9.3 said less than an hour. But what shocks me a little bit is the teachers who said, 10% of them said that they commuted for more than one hour. So I would recommend them to maybe have a listen to this podcast and reflect and think, is this really worth it? Is it really worth staying in my school if I spend more than an hour commuting? Because it's hours of our lives we'll never get back. Unless, obviously, they can just sit back and relax and listen to a podcast or read on their Kindles. I don't know. But it might be something you want to think about if you're thinking about your mental health and your well-being as a professional teacher. Now, because we are reaching the end of this um, show, I want to share with you my definition of the perfect school. So... My perfect school would be a school that has put less emphasis on core subjects and more emphasis on the arts, on sports and physical health, on music, and also on um, food technology, domestic knowledge, how to balance um, accounts and how to uh, keep a house going. And I would also love a school that spends time on medicine and first aid. My perfect school would be a multilingual school, a multilingual institution with 
lessons on Mondays in Spanish, maybe on Tuesday in French, and on Wednesday, why not, in Urdu or Polish or Ukrainian. But it would be a school that offers a curriculum that is varied and in different languages. My perfect school would offer a proper three-course meal for all students in a canteen with organic products, locally produced products. My perfect school would have a lot of space and access to nature, trees, definitely, and lots of um, opportunities to have wildflowers and maybe a beehive on the school premises. If there is a space enough, my perfect school would have pets. There would be maybe a few guinea pigs to encourage the children to take care of pets. Um, a school dog. I've seen schools that have a school dog and uh, they're used by the pastoral team. Um, they ask the students who are struggling with regulating their emotions to take the dog for a walk when they need to. And uh, it's, a, it's a happy friend to have. Although I'm aware that some members of the school community are a bit scared of dogs. So something to think about. Um, my perfect school would have maybe goats or chicken and um, they would be fed the leftover from the canteen. My perfect school would offer school trips that are embedded in the lesson planning and the learning. So it would be once a month going to a museum. It would be once a year going abroad because I do think um, the ideal of, you know, the grand tour, that 18th century uh, trip that young gentlemen took where they would visit France and Germany and Italy, I think it was amazing for them. And I think all our students would benefit from traveling, particularly in a post-Brexit world where they have to understand that there's one way to do things and there's other ways in different countries and they are all valid. And also it would help um, Britain, England to become a less monolingual country. So more school trips, more school trips abroad. My perfect school would also have um, a whole school project with a whole topic for the school curriculum. I'll give you an example. I heard of an, an initiative in Sweden where a school chose a subject or a topic and for a whole year, every lesson, whether or most lessons, whether it's in the science department, food tech, English, languages, any departments, history, anything, would try and build the topic into their lessons. And the topic they had chosen was, for instance, chiaro oscuro. So, um, darkness and light, um, a theme which is very important in the Italian Renaissance art. So you could do so much with a theme like that. It's beautiful. You can do art, you can do physics, you can do cinema studies, such a wonderful topic to work as a school. And I can imagine, uh, the, the school play with that topic. You could, you could find plays that have that idea of light and darkness, maybe Othello. I mean, that, that sounds wonderful to me. And also, my perfect school would be a school where parents are involved in the running of the school. Parents are involved in coming and teaching. Parents are involved in supporting whenever they can. And um, everybody's welcome in that very 
cohesive communal community-centered school. What do you think about that perfect school? What is your perfect school? I would love to hear from you. Remember, you can use the live chat or you can also tweet your answers. In the meantime, dear listeners, it was a delight to share this afternoon with you. I hope the sun is shining where you are and I'm looking forward to seeing you next Sunday. Many thanks. Have a lovely week. You've been listening to Teachers Talk Radio. Tune in live and listen back at ttradio.org. We look forward to hearing from you next time on Teachers Talk Radio. This episode of Teachers Talk Radio has been made possible with support from Witherslack Group, the UK's leading provider of SEN education and care. They're here to support you too through an ever-growing offer of free resources, including webinars, podcasts, articles and events aimed at supporting teaching professionals like you. Visit their website at www.witherslackgroup.co.uk to find out more. Imagine a world where you were free to focus on sparking curiosity in your students and giving them access to the awe and wonder of learning. A world where you were supported to deliver a truly personalised education to help all your learners achieve their potential. No need to imagine it, because that's exactly what the Oxford Smart Curriculum Service delivers. Seamlessly integrating curriculum, resources, assessment, next steps and professional development Every component of Oxford Smart is connected and working to provide you with a uniquely coherent and responsive service that empowers you and your students with transformational effect. The Oxford Smart Curriculum Service. When everything connects, anything is possible. Introducing Bulb. With evidence-based learning at the forefront of education, let Bulb digital portfolios help reshape your educational practice. Bulb helps teachers teach and learners learn. Bulb is an easy-to-use, fully accessible digital platform that captures students' digital learning assets in one place, allowing them to evidence their learning and reflect on their growth. Our dedicated team of education specialists are on hand to ensure the Bulb fits seamlessly into all of your teaching practices. Come take a look and get a free account at bulbapp.com. If you're listening to this, then we know we share one thing in common. A passion for the type of outstanding education that every child deserves. That's what makes us the leading provider of specialist education and care. We need people like you to help us achieve even more. With us, you'll be given all the resources and support you need, offered a clear path to career progression, and be rewarded with some of the best salaries and benefits the industry has to offer. We are with a Slack Group. If you'd like to find out more, we'd love to hear from you. Visit www.withaslackgroup.co.uk forward slash careers and be part of our future. This is Teachers Talk Radio and you are listening live.
You've been listening to Teachers Talk Radio. Tune in live and listen back at ttradio.org. We look forward to hearing from you next time on Teachers Talk Radio.